All right, welcome back to the Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy Award-winning Apple TV series, Ted Lasso. In every episode, we do a brief episode overview, followed by a three-word episode review, set the stage, and then we analyze what happened on the pitch and off the pitch with a main theme of the episode before we crown our winner, winner, chicken dinner. Don't forget, Crown Pub Trivia in there as well. Fan favorite, everybody loving it. Uh, and today we are here with season one, episode four for the children. Nick, I think it's an early contender for best episode of season one. Obviously, we're you know not getting around halfway done at this point, but man, we got a lot out of this one, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, I think I th- there are a couple of episodes that really stand out in season one for me, and this is one of them because this is more um, more about the relationships than it is about the football so you get a lot more of the workplace in the workplace comedy than uh the sports necessarily and dan and i are are both big game of thrones fans and i think we'd both agree that the the real game of thrones episodes that i loved were the ones where there was just sitting and talking in in the rooms you know around castles or whatever this felt very much like one of those types of episodes to me dan well not only that but you know a sitcom is hitting a stride when it can bring forward some type of charity event to use as a mechanism for conversation like the michael scott dunderman dunder mifflin scranton meredith palmer memorial Char- <laughs> memorial charity celebrity rabies awareness program you couldn't have picked a harder thing the to career. say you really could it's it's so long uh and they did it in a much simpler fashion thankfully uh less fettuccine alfredo in this one so uh look a lot of interactions with the characters off the pitch so on the pitch it'll be a little bit shorter but again set the stage you know three word episode review as we like to do um i jumped in right away said a prescription of booze seemed like that was everyone's favorite uh coping mechanism in this one uh dan what about you yeah, I went with a tailored approach because I think that there was, you know, a, a reason, a lot of decision, a lot of intentful design behind some of the actions in this episode and, you know, suiting as well. Yeah. Suits were important, Nick. What about you? Rupert rivals Rebecca. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a new there's a new big bad and we didn't know it until this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, WWE style. Is that Rupert's music out of nowhere shows up to the charity uh, and makes a splash. But we have to start with on the pitch, a.k.a. the football stuff. So the only football action we got in this episode is during the beginning of episode four. The team is shown uh, coming into the locker room at halftime. Another subpar display as we hear from Roy Bellow that they're two nil down. were better than that. End quote. Uh, that means 2-0 to the bad guys in this one. Uh, nil means none. Thank you for that excellent description. Uh, we see him going into the locker room, Dan, and uh, this is just like I think typical of of teammates, right? They're having conversations. They're trying to figure out what's gone wrong. Sam goes up to Jamie and says, Jamie, Jamie, sorry, I didn't put that cross where you wanted it. And then Jamie goes on an epic burn here. Uh, forget it, mate. Hey, would it be too forward if I gave you some advice that might help improve your game a bit? Sam, no, please, anything. What you need to do is get yourself a time machine and go back to the moment when your mom was about to fuck a sad little man with no athletic talent, pull her off him, fly her to, fly to Argentina, and drop her on Maradona's cock. Hope that helps. And then it's it's just, you can tell. You can cut the tension with a knife here. Like, it's crazy. 
Yeah, for for those who aren't aware, uh, Maradona is one of the game's greats, uh, Argentinian footballer. Um, Mm -hmm. If you watched the World Cup recently and you saw uh, Lionel Messi and many other Argentinians lift the trophy, it was uh, kind of a seminal moment for them and uh, something that uh, Maradona uh, did as well. But yeah, this this is actually saying you've got no skills. You you suck as a player. You don't have talent. I don't think you have talent. And the only way that you're going to get talent is if you were born differently with the DNA of someone who is is a god of the game. Legend, obviously. But what in the world are we doing, Jamie? I mean, I guess credit for creativity, but like... That was a lot to essentially tell a guy to like don't exist or I guess maybe exist with a different father like that was that was a lot. And then, you know, obviously, episode three, we saw Roy start to take charge of the locker room more. And this one absolutely fireworks. Right. Um, A little bit of funny in the acting because they kind of like held each other for a second and then the locker room kind of piled in. You know, I don't think once Jamie said, all right, we're doing this like. Boom, it, it would have just popped off. So a little little bit of, of that in there, which, which is fine. Um, but then we get the movie references, you know, Fight Club, Step Brothers, Parent Trap, etc. You know, Ted yelling, what's my only rule about Fight Club? There's no Fight Club. And, you know, we get to see them handle a little bit of confrontation. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, this is this has now become a thing, right? R- Roy has started to impress upon the team his values and his leadership and Jamie clearly has a clique that wants to be around him and be cool and, and, you know, rebel against the the system and all that sort of stuff. And the next day at training, you see that they're, they're separated into these two factions, right? They're, they're not a part of the same team. And it's, it's interesting to see Ted and beard go through on the sideline while, while training's happening, you know, a little bit of an analogy, Dan, to West Side Story, the Sharks and the Jets, and uh, to learn that Nate was once an understudy as a part of this <laughs> process uh, in high school. Uh, it's always good to understand the theater background. Maybe that's why he understands the placement and the staging of things so well, and that's an important part there. But, yeah, we, we are at the point where the fracturing of the squad is starting to occur I mean, you see this in the game as well, that when results do not match aspiration, when poor results and poor form match the desire to go out and win, you can see these, you know, fissures start to develop and ultimately chasms forming between players and sides, Brandon, and that's that's where they're at right now, at least for the on the pitch stuff. Yeah, you get that, you know, it happens. So, um, you know, there tend to be multiple leaders in, in any team. And, you know, you get get kind of people choosing sides and get people in the middle who don't really get bothered. So um, anyways, like you said, uh, there's definitely fractures. You see it. Um, Sharks versus Jets, the West Side story. Just, you know, it's it's team one, team two. Like, it's just so, so funny that they, again, continue to do this stuff. So um, anything else on the pitch that you guys wanted to touch on quick? Like I said, it's super brief in this one. Yeah, it's it's a it's a largely off the the pitch charity gala episode. So yeah. All right, all right. Well, with that being said, we are going to take our first break. So thank you to sponsors for financially supporting the show. We're back off the pitch. Here we go. Right off the pitch, the workplace stuff, uh, which you know 
sometimes work can be fun with these uh, uh, charity events. So early in this one, we see Rebecca and Higgins planning the annual charity uh, table by table, kind of like a wedding. Um, Higgins at the boring table. Bummer, boss. Uh, <laughs> it's it's again. I mean, like, that, that's that's weird, though. I mean, look, we know they don't get along well, but this is the person who is running the operations of your footballing arm and as much as you know she wants to cause rupert Payne by destroying this thing that's typically in most clubs a very high decision maker in terms of what's going on usually someone who's rubbing shoulders meeting with the league meeting with other teams building those relationships you're gonna stick them on the boring table feels but don't you don't you remember like when she was he was outside her car early on right and she was just like gave him the promotion and talked about how he he looked the other way as, as Rupert snuck all those women up all that time. So I think, you know, well, she's, she, you know, she's she's keeping the hierarchy very structured in this Golden one. Golden yeah. handcuff is what we'd call that, there right? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, they're trying to figure it out. Rebecca shouting from the window during training. Coach Beard can only pick steak or chicken, not both, and that Ted needs to share his plus one. Um, it's not Beard. Beard's got a plus one, which opens up a little bit. Uh, so he brought Nate the Great instead. He goes, Nate, you free? He goes, I'm free every night. So <laughs> <laughs> he uh, got his plus one there. Um, because can't refuse the punny asset that be seated at table eight, obviously. Rebecca says no. Um, so anyways, that kind of continues to go around. And then we get to cut Nick to where Ted goes to Rebecca to asks her to do a favor for him. Yeah, so Ted is is trying to you know after after training, right? He's trying to figure out how the team becomes more unified, and you know he he's he's probably been in these situations as a coach before, where you have two people at odds, Dan, uh, that he needs to sort out. And so he asks if Roy and Jamie and and their their significant others can sit at the table. Um, and and I think this is a this is his way of essentially saying like I'm going to handle some stuff uh, and make this a productive uh, event uh, just so that we can begin to gel as a team. Look, another one of the comedic trappings is that you force the odd couple to be in a scenario or an arrangement where they have to spend time with one another, despite the fact that they seem opposed at every way and every shape and every core belief that they have with one another. And you get a little table assignment that, uh, you know, is going to cause some some fun friction for the, the viewer in the later parts of the episode. Hmm. I mean, Re- Rebecca's clearly stressed out here as she's you know, putting the final touches on this event and doesn't have a whole lot of time to talk. Add to the fact, Brandon, that... Uh, <laughs> Higgins comes in and shares the bad news that their musical guest Robbie Williams, who I would venture most Americans did not know before this uh, before millennium. This series. I I didn't. Sorry, uh, maybe Oof. I'm most millennials. You knew that, but there, like there's other movies and shows <laughs> that you've just never seen in in the center of the popular zeitgeist. You're welcome. I'm the, cultured. The Venn, the Venn diagram of Dan and I overlap. Brandon is a whole circle to himself mm-hmm. in in the upper left hand corner. His own uh, gravity. <laughs> yep. Uh, but he's canceled, right? So they have to go find a new musical guest. But, Brandon, we have world-class problem solver Higgins on the case. Yeah, which he's obviously sweating bullets about. Um, 
we get to see Keely and Jamie kind of like at home in private and kind of what their relationship is like. They're trying to, they're in the process of getting ready for the, the gala. Jamie doesn't think the suit suits his style. No hood, no zips, no graffiti. Um, and it's like a proper that. business suit too. I mean, he's got, you know, the tie all the way buttoned up. It, to be fair, it's true. It does not feel like Jamie Tart uh, at all. And so um, he ends up, taking it off and and says this is more me he's like i'm good at this fashion shit (laughs) (laughs) you know and she's telling him like i'm trying to manage your brand it'll be good for you and she kind of gives in uh at the end and says you know what maybe he is right like we'll let him go with it well we see the the beginnings of of what we will um you know see in the next episode which is that you know keely is at a career crossroads a little bit you know she's a model all this sort of stuff but she also has an eye for like personal branding, Dan. And so unofficially she's managing her boyfriend's brand, which is kind of an interesting nugget and way into the, the broader atmosphere. Well, the question is, does she want him to be a front runner for a Love Island season? Or does she want him to get endorsement deals from Nike, Adidas, Puma, or other major brands, because that's the route that Jamie can go down. So, uh, you know, he can flame out really quickly with his football career and get to be on reality TV shows, or it could be managed really, really well, and he could have endorsements that would set him up for life. And, uh, you know, Keeley sees this. Jamie does not see this. Jamie does sees uh, not wanting to wear a shirt. Which... We'll come back to later. Uh, then on the other side, you got Ted, uh, very well dressed, looking sharp. Left a voicemail for his wife. Studies over. I love or stutters over. I love you, and kind of like you know backtracked a little bit, pivoted to I miss you. Um, so I think it's. I think most people caught that. It was pretty obvious. Um, Ted gave money to a busker. Uh, you know who we'll see later. <laughs> Again, he's just. The little things just cheer him up. You know, he was like excited to see see the guy out there, which is funny. Um, but then Nate, his plus one, what's he doing? Like now it's probably seen like as a fashion thing when you see people wearing overdressed suits. I mean, we've seen professional football players do it. But like on oh, Nate, you're just like baggy is not it, my man. Yeah, Ted does the classic. Do you like when people tell you that you have food in your teeth? And Nate's like, of course. And Ted's like, great. That suit does not fit you at all whatsoever and so they go off on a uh, a little side mission to to get nate a suit dan that perhaps uh you know fits his uh his uh, body a little bit better than than his dad's suit does yeah when you inherit a suit from someone else and their style it's likely dated in terms of the appearance It Mm -hmm. might be incorrect in terms of the fit this suit is both of those things (laughs) it is not good it is not a good decision for him, and Ted is trying to do what he can to fix the problem for one Nate the Great. Well, it's it's also like, you know, working in sports, and Brandon, you probably have the most experience, like at, at an entry level, you make no money, absolutely no money. And, you know, being the kit man, I'm sure Nate's not bringing in a, a ton of cash per year. So a suit could be a huge investment for someone like that who might wear it once or twice a year. Uh, you know, he's even makes jokes later in the season that like, no, I have many track suits. That's what I wear all the time. Uh, so, uh, it's, it's a really nice thing for Ted to just go like, Hey man, let's just, 
we're gonna go get you hooked up it's no sweat off my back i make a ton of money let's just make this happen yeah which is which is great i mean nate lives in the tracksuit, right if it doesn't say <laughs> richmond afc on it he's probably not wearing it um anyways uh we skip over the beginning of the gala where the players and staff are being photographed uh, which is fun you know the players are goofing but there was a great moment again the rebecca keely friendship uh keely shows her how to pose and then you know jumps in back and and yells you know look at her she's absolutely fit and just it gets the laughs and kind of takes away the the awkwardness because remember from rebecca's standpoint dan this is like the first time that she's doing this without rupert so there's a lot of emotions and things for her as well. And like a lack of confidence that, um, Keely really helped cover, cover for her. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to see the confident individual that we've seen the past few episodes, who's hashing a plan and is trying to really just destroy something. Someone else loves destroy something that a community loves and to be the villain of this story so confidently to allow this moment that is in the public eye, that is changes the attitude for her, changes the mood for her because she doesn't want this, which is something that she owns, which is going to be a reflection of her because what happens on the football pitch is a reflection of Ted. This is a reflection of her. And because of that, Nick, she wants this to be, perfect the perfect event to show that like her personal brand is intact throughout all of this messy divorce and separation that has gone on right i mean it's it's post breakup you're not the same person you were before i mean as we'll find out rupert has a magnetic personality right so you can imagine them showing up to this thing together and commanding a room you know, very, very easily her by herself. She has to figure out how to do that. And so there's probably some nervousness, Brandon, that comes with that, right? There's probably some anxiety of having to do all the speaking, having to do all the organizing, having to do everything and, you know, and, and just kind of own the, own the space better. And it's, I'm sure that's tough. I mean, it has to be. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I agree. And, uh, she wants to be successful and, this is the part, like you guys say, that she More does. More successful yeah. than Rupert's was. Well, That's... and this is what she does care about. These are the things that she cares about, which, you know, great cause, so good for her. Um, but anyways, uh, very quickly, uh, Roy and Jamie realize that uh, their seating chart is is quite close to each other, and they are less than thrilled about it. But Ted says, hey, I knew I was going to do this the whole time, so let's figure it out. Uh, he's, you know, he talks about having split locker room and tries to get them to open up about each other. They decline. Uh, so Ted's like, Hey, we'll just go ahead and get drinks. But do you remember the reference that he made here? That it's either going to help a little, or it's going to hurt a lot. I like my locker rooms. Like I like my mother's swimsuits uh, in yeah, one yep. piece. Yep. <laughs> I, Magical. It's, it's so- it's Magical. something that like no one else could really say. Like that's an ownable line from one Ted Lasso. Correct. So yeah, he's like, "Well, this was probably a bad idea. Who wants a drink?" <laughs> and then he he heads off to the bar. Um, you know, chats with Rebecca, who's stressed out. Uh, he tries to give her some tips. Uh, you know, wants to give her uh, some suggestions. He said, "Do you really want to do that?" No, I don't. And then he, he comes across Beard and Jane, Dan, and, and again, or Jane, you know, we this is another little insight into Beard because um, he knew he's bringing a plus one, but they didn't elaborate. 
they're playing mental chess? Like, what? Well, I figure chess is just a board, right? And you can build out the scenario where items move on the board relative to the piece. Now, keeping track of all that in your mind and the permutations of the movement and having to play it, visualizing it, that you have a very strong ability to both retain and visualize something, which they both have the ability to do. Which, look, if you find someone who can do that, you find something that you love like that, don't don't let it go. That's 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 the real thing. This is a an interesting Beard episode too, right? Because up to this point, Beard's kind of a enigmatic figure. We we don't know much about him, right? We get these little nuggets every once in a while. So for Beard to have found a love interest off the clock, right, already in London, and then for him to bring Jane to this thing and then to see, like, how smart he is, how smart she is. Like, we, we start to learn more, Brandon, that, that Beard is not just some sort of, you know, kind of passenger in this ride who knows tactics. He is just, he's kind of an everyman's, brainiac almost it's it's crazy yeah oh for sure again that was kind of my point like you're you're doing mental chess like the cerebral power like that's their date yeah you know? um yeah so funny enough there um and then uh rebecca kind of kicks it off addressing the crowd boom the rupert appearance just right in the middle of it making an appearance for himself um, shows up to the event a little bit unexpectedly. I think most people were caught off guard. Definitely Rebecca was, but she was also had a sigh of relief. Um, look, he's well-spoken, takes champagne, uh, like ask for permission, even though he knows what the answer is going to be at that point in his white tux. Um, and uh, yeah, Rebecca, absolutely wow. But like I said, I feel like she definitely showed that she was uh, had glad to see him there. His big quote was, well, one of the perks of being a wealthy good for nothing, sometimes my nights just magically free up, end quote. And that's where we get, Nick. I mean, I think, yeah, it he, he embodies exactly what you would expect from him. First of all, it's a perfect casting of this character. Uh, it, it, the entry point is, I think, uh, who, who, was it you, Brandon, that mentioned the WWE sort, sort of entrance? Like, it is that. It, it, like, his personality just booms straight out of the gate. And I think upon, I've watched the show a lot. I've, I've watched it many times. But to understand the gravity of like, oh, that's the villain. <laughs> there Rebecca is like fine like she's she's not the final boss like this is the final boss in in the video game um I think makes us all better understand like the gravity of the situation Dan because you can tell why people are enamored with someone like this just big bo- booming personality funny witty charming all these different things an asshole can get away with anything because he has that personality. And just a, a natural, the natural comfort that he extols in this moment versus Rebecca, who has to get herself psyched up and then have others help push her to rise to this moment so that she can maintain that altitude, right? There's an initial rocket thrust that she's requiring from others. You know, he's just a satellite, right? He just lives at that altitude and doesn't have any issue playing at that level 
as long as he needs to operate in that way. Well, it, uh, it continues to go very interestingly. Rebecca has a sidebar with Ted. It introduces him to Rupert. Things are obviously tense. Uh, <laughs> Ted does not take kindly to Rupert. Um, Rebecca happily it lets him take over the auction responsibilities uh to rupert specifically you know he says some snide things about her looks and ted finds rebecca crying outside and consoles her about rupert and they share a genuine moment that sets the foundation i think for the relationship dan here um you know she really opens up says that man he knows me i used to think his blunt honesty was noble rather than what it really is which is just the cruelest way of hiding his own security insecurities He'd say, wear this, eat that, and I listen. But now I'm alone. I'm alone, Ted. Just like he said I would be if I left. I don't want to be alone. No matter what he does, they just love him. It's a tough moment. It's a realization and an openness that she has not provided to Ted in this moment. And this is what Ted's been looking for. He's been looking for the in with her, the wall to break down. And this then sparks the rush out almost a little bit of the the white knight type of element where ted feels like he can confront rupert about uh brandon's favorite robbie williams and uh gets gets rupert to admit that it was in fact rupert you know using some of that influence using that charm to get him to not show up to this event (laughs) yeah i mean uh he's uh he's crossed the wires and uh he set it up to uh or he said he set it up to detonate um, but you know, Ted lets him know he's not going to take that shit. And it kind of sets the stage for what will then transpire and kind of the hopes to, to save the day, Nick. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, first of all, I think if you're Rebecca, there's no person at that time that you'd want to talk to less than Ted. But I think she also realized at that moment, there's probably no one better to talk to than Ted. Ted's a natural comforter. That's what he does. Uh, and so it, you know, that that larger charm offensive that Ted's doing, which is really funny and boisterous and out there and goofy, is underpinned by this, like, just being a person. Like, he's just a person. He's available to, to hang out and chat. And, you know, the fact that then he, I think, gets inspired, Brandon, to try and take on Big Bad, right? To You know, the classic good versus evil showdown tells me that like he's he's really invested in this thing oh for sure um you know because he's inserting himself into a very uncomfortable place and and very much getting involved which is also kind of the most ted thing ever um yeah so uh anyways um can't wait for more showdowns there uh auction what what is the best thing to auction if you own a football club your personnel (laughs) Apparently dates with the players. This absolutely kicked off. I was rolling at times during this one. Um, Roy and Kelly teased Jamie about how far he'd have to go with this old woman. If she bid over 3000 pounds for him, um, which he just gets up in a big huff and, and, and bolts, uh, Ted sits down with Roy and talks to him about life, uh, as well. So like I said, all these things, it's just coming at you in this episode. Like every time there's a cut scene, you get like something funny and then you get something serious and we're right back at it. Um, and, and look, Nick, he just, he played Roy like a fiddle. Yeah. He says, Hey Roy, let me ask you something. What were you like when you were 23? Obviously making an homage to Jamie's age and, and place in life playing in this league, making all that money. 
And Roy looked at him and said, a little bitch prima donna. <laughs> and he said, yeah, you know that uh, they said youth is wasted on the young. Well, I say don't let the wisdom of age be wasted on you. And Dan, this is like, again, we, we get one of these per episode where it's like, whoa, that's he's he's bringing in some heavy hitter quotes on on these things. But it's just a cool moment because Roy is beginning to trust him, does not trust him all the way. Right. They're they're like friendly ish. Uh, but this is a cool moment between them. It's the tearing down of walls that happens in this episode. Right. You know, some are crumble because the wall was poorly constructed. Some crumble because there's been a concerted effort to break it down and get through to the other side. And this is the latter. Ted has been chipping away at Roy to get him to open up, to get him to where he wants so that he can allow his team to heal, allow this person to become a better person, allow the community to benefit because there's more leadership on the team. There's all these things that are coming out of this concerted effort that Ted has put on display. Like he he's, he's putting, you know, we talked about there wasn't a lot on the pitch. Ted's pitch is these moments and he is putting in a lot of work in this 90 plus minutes of activity. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, back to the auction and getting lively. Uh, Keely bids on Jamie so he doesn't have to go with another bidder, uh, but gets into a bidding war with another attractive woman who we find out is Jamie's other plus one via a fun bathroom exchange between Rebecca and Keely. Rebecca giving the tea on that one, um, you know, which she should because they're, they're friends. Um, and Rebecca, you know, saying, Keely, you need someone better. Like, let's just be honest. So being a good friend in a tough moment, but that like bidding exchange back and forth, you know, like uh, Jamie needed her. But once she found out things got twisted, you know, she obviously then turned around and like did her own own side of it. So there's two sides to it for sure. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, they obviously go through this thing. Jamie lets Keely know, oh, I don't get jealous because she was clearly like not having it. And then she goes and bids on Roy, right, as as a way to you know childishly get back at at Jamie. Prove a point. And 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 look, Roy gets up there and is basically like, "We're not going anywhere, but SW fourteen. This is not going to be fun. Don't bid on me." Like that was his like whole thing. And you know, I think he saw that this was kind of a game they were you know Jamie and Keeler playing, and goes up to. Uh, Keely after the after the auctions over is like, hey, you made me feel like an idiot. That that sucked, and she had to apologize. Right, she had to be accountable for her actions. Dan, it was very clear after her conversation with Rebecca in the bathroom that accountability is now her like number one keyword that she's focused on, which leads to other things. Yeah, I I do like the fact that you are continuing to get Roy basically outlining that like there there are things that are very black and white to me and like to be treated in that way is not what i want to be like if you want to bid on me <laughs> like it's it was independent that's perfectly fine if you want to bid on me because you have a problem with jamie that that crossed my line in terms of what is acceptable to me and not acceptable to me so uh after that one uh Keely ended up breaking up with Jamie that night um and and she he really you know I think she between her conversation with Roy and really that yeah you know what maybe I am in this childish relationship this is dumb 
talking to Rebecca. Jamie clearly wasn't, you know, loyal or committed to it. You know, she says it's off. And a couple of bottles of champagne later, they gone. Um, well, uh, the the funny the funniest part of the whole breakup scene for me was like, do you, Jamie goes up and says, oh, I'm sorry. Like, you know, just being kind of cheeky. And she's like, do you know why you're sorry? And he has this like grin on his face. And he's like, you always ask me that. <laughs> and then there was no like answer after. And there was just like, now nah, we're, we're going to. We're going to close the books on this one. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and then from there, uh, Rupert makes the big splash, donates a million pounds to help reach the goal of the auction, like classic yep. douche move. But, hey, when you're rich, you can do things. So, um, it's a big bank account energy. Yeah, yeah, BBE. Um, so Roy and Jamie, uh, you know, it's been tension back and forth. Like I said, Keeley kind of being the the triangle that is formed between them, essentially bringing them together far more than what they would ever want to be. Um, they're getting they're getting a bit drunk, and they finally have this moment where Roy shares that he had a similar run-in with an older captain when he was a younger player, and that it was easier to get the resentment out and move on. Roy accuses Jamie of being selfish, a prima donna, and Jamie accuses Roy of acting too good for everyone. You know, he knows he's past it. Yeah, you want it, but like that ain't you today. And they really kind of like get to even ground a little bit, Dan. And and they have the back and forth here that I think really kind of lays it out. Uh, you get Roy saying, even though I know you're past you, you're selfish. You're so selfish and arrogant. Every time you do so, makes me want to fucking puke. And then Jamie talking about how he had the poster on the wall when he was growing up and that he wanted to be like him when he was younger, which, I don't know, you're an attacking player? Did you really want to be the midfielder? I, I don't know. Maybe that's that's a question there. You know, Roy's, Roy's game and Jamie's game off the pit, on the pitch do not seem to be anything <laughs> similar with one another. Um, maybe it's more about just achieving and, and winning in, in that capacity. Um, but he also me- mentioned it's like you're not the same player you used to and like you're, you're expecting everybody to kiss your ass because you, you know, won a few trophies. And then Jamie get asked about, like, you and that Doug bloke, did you ever become friends? Roy, fuck no, I hope he's dead. <laughs> Jamie, here's to you dying. <laughs> and then Roy with the final prick to end that part. It's, it's the cycle, right? It's the athlete cycle right there, you know? Um, you got to respect people. You don't have to like them. When you're young, yeah. you're exciting and electric. When you're older, you have the wisdom and the poise. It's just the classic cycle. It, it, it this is my favorite scene of the entire episode. I, I love this because it's just again, it's just two people standing next to a bar having a conversation and and a believable conversation. They didn't make up and become best friends here, right? They just aired it out a little bit. And you know, again, it, this is this is one of those things, Brandon, I think is very believable about a locker room. A lot of big egos, right? A lot of people trying to be their thousand percent version of themselves and it's competitive and it probably grates people the wrong way because people have different goals objectives and styles yeah and then the kind of last uh highlight is that uh ted commandeers higgins to go find the busker in the park because look there's no millennium gonna be playing tonight you know it just ain't gonna be (laughs) happening so uh here he comes uh absolutely kills it rebecca was so worried introducing him it was so funny uh, but she begins to trust Ted more, and they share another nice moment at the end of the night. Uh, Rupert leaves with Jamie's other plus one, a bit ironically. Um, and then, you know, from there, Rebecca and Keeley, uh, they really just um, 
you know, have that, that, that seminal moment where they go and share bottles of champagne and, um, they get, uh, they get to to building a nice little friendship. Uh, I mean, they they both been through a lot tonight, yeah. right? In one night, Keely ends up going through all that stuff, breaks up with Jamie. Rebecca goes through all that stuff, hosts the gala, gets it over the line. I think they're both probably emotionally exhausted. And Keely <laughs> Keely gets up there and is like, "Hey, do you want to get drunk and and rob a bank or something?" Like it, it just kind of a funny entry point there, Dan and. Yeah, the episode rounds out by, you know, us learning that Ted's wife and son, you know, barely mentioned to this point in the series, are coming to Richmond next episode. And so it's like, oh, man, we we get through this fun episode and then we're set up for the cliffhanger. Yeah, you get the work family getting a chance to meet the actual family. And that never goes smoothly in any type of show. So buckle up. All right. Well, anyways, um, a lot off the pitch, to say the least. Uh, such a jam-packed episode. We're going to take a break, but we're back. Don't worry. We still have main theme. We still have Crown and Anchor Pub Trivia. And winner, winner, chicken dinner. So thank you to the sponsors. We'll be right back. Football dinner. Come on, guy. What's happening with you? Football. All right. Main theme on this one, creating connections. I mean, Nick, we talked about Ted being a team builder at his core. That is what he does. That's his recipe for success Uh, He's realized early on in his tenure at Richmond that there is a lot of work to do to turn around the poisonous culture that is at the club. I mean, do you remember the gaffer from the beginning? Do you think he was a big culture guy? (laughs) Probably not. Probably was a great, a great hang. Probably loved going out, but not, not a leader. No. Loved his bleep drills. (laughs) So, uh, you know, Ted, Ted is working on it and he's, he's already created a lot of connections between players and staff, uh, which we've seen, but he's got a few pretty big hurdles left. Uh, Rebecca, Jamie and Roy, this episode was all about planting seeds. that could bloom in future episodes, more assist making as Dan might say from last episode, uh, Ted is a master of seizing a moment to have genuine conversation with someone that can leave them feeling more on board to his methods than they thought possible. Uh, Trent Krim obviously being the big one uh, again. So um, it, it's it's everywhere. Um, it is a, a central theme across multiple episodes, Nick. And again, it's it's Ted really starting to hit his stride, I think, in, in episode four. Yeah, you, you could be forgiven to just like laugh your way through these first four episodes and, and feel like this show is really going somewhere. But there's in in writing these scripts it's made me think about the show a lot differently and it's made me think about how leadership works a little bit differently um you know i think we all have an ideal of what a coach is in our heads and sometimes that's a you know guy that riles everybody up and you know you'd run through a wall for sometimes they're ultimate strategists sometimes you know, their friends or, or colleagues, like there's a lot of different like personas that a coach can be. And, and Ted is definitely a strategist masked as a personality. Um, he is doing so much work here, Dan, in little moments, making little connection points with people, not, you know, I mean, kind of overdoing it in places, you know, Roy obviously stormed off in the previous episode uh, and stuff like that. And, and Jamie's not been super receptive, but He's he's really putting in a ton of groundwork so that the ultimate rewards are, are possible later down the road. 
Look, his XGA, his expected growth assists in this episode oh is Stop. off the charts. It might have been a hat trick uh, of, of, of XGA right there that he not only expected, but ended up getting delivered as well in terms of uh, actual you know, GA for him as well in this one. So, look, Ted had a great episode. This is a precursor. No spoilers. <laughs> None. All right. Crown and Anchor Pub trivia. Again, weird questions, observations, things you probably need to go back and watch again. So, uh, Nick, again, fan favorite here. Uh, really enjoying uh, people getting involved with this one. What do you have today, sir? Got a lot of good uh, tidbits from this one. Um, how much money does Keeley bid for Jamie during their auction? It's a sizable sum. So uh, go, go back and watch that. Uh, this is a deep cut, but which West Side Story character was Nate an understudy for in primary school? It's not who you think, um, because it was noted that he went to an all-boys school. Uh, so we peeled a layer off, off the Nate onion there. Uh, there is a, a cheeky moment at the beginning of the episode where Ted tells a story about his senior prom. What does he wear to that senior prom? Uh, a fourth one, which is more of a uh, create your own adventure. Why does Keeley hate olives? It's a very specific reason. And then five, what mode of transportation do Keeley and Rebecca take while drinking champagne on the way to robbing a bank at the end of the episode? Um, all five of these questions are, are just there upon your rewatch. So go do it. Yeah. Ping us. Let us know how many you caught. Uh, any surprises, Dan, in this one again? Um, besides Rupert, which I think is the obvious one, um, anything kind of catch you off guard or, or throw you for a loop? I'm surprised that Robbie Williams was the big guest star for a <laughs> function or a gala like this. That's I on feel you, like man. the moment has passed <laughs> millennium. Uh, that, that He's was huge in the UK the also. Yeah, but this is, you know, it's a football footballers are attending the charity event in auction too. You might find someone who bridges the player age divide and the money bags divide in terms yeah, of like Stormzy, you know, man. Give, give me something yeah, like great, that. Yeah, great, great call. Ed Sheeran, there you go. come on. A lot, lot you could do, you know. Just get with SBTV. They would have hooked it up. It would have found somebody a whole lot better that uh, maybe wouldn't have cost as much too and would have been guaranteed to be there. Uh, that's probably the biggest complaint I got. I have this episode. Other than that, might be flawless. Millennium's not even in his top 10 played on Spotify, which means he has 10 <laughs> other songs that are bigger and better. So, well, look, I, I know you follow him. I know he's one of your top artists uh, every discography, year. Discography, baby. Look, <laughs> I, 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 we've known each other for a really long time. I, I never had you as a Robbie Williams fan. That is a, a stunning revelation for the, for the squad here. Uh, it, it is notable, though, that they played Robbie Williams' song in the closing of this episode. Uh, I believe it's called Kids uh, with him and Kylie Minogue, which is another um, British pop star. Uh, from but, she's great, but she's great, though. So The, the late 90s. But, yeah, uh, there's that. I mean, I, I loved I love the kind of like juxtaposition of this episode and all the little things that were happening like Dan, Dan used the orbit terminology, I think, in the last episode, but like a lot of things were circling in this one, right? That were kind of connected and uh, very, uh, 
very curious to see how how this all plays out. But yeah, I loved I loved the Rupert intro. I thought that was just tremendous, and they really couldn't have picked a better actor for that yeah. for that role. No, for sure, for sure. Uh, all right, back to winner winner football dinner, aka who won the episode? Um, you know. Shall we pitch you again? I, on- I'm a little surprised by what I read. If you want, you can, because this is probably better for the listener to hear the why behind it. Dan went first last time, so Nick, the floor. Do you is have yours. a different? Do you have a different character before we go? Um, I think I'm leaning towards one of them, uh, just out of variety. I think I'm the underdog here, so I'm going to go first. Mm-hmm. Um, I I voted for Keely. Um, I thought this was a really great episode for her. Um, she. Helps Rebecca, you know, make it through some uncomfortable moments. She figures out who she is and what she wants uh, in many different conversations. And I think begins to understand her role in this team a little bit better. Right. I think this is a huge episode of growth for for Keeley um, as a character. And I think that she took every at bat that was that was coming her way to make a positive impact in this episode even uh helping Jamie out when when she uh didn't want to and uh you know I think then you know turning the screw a little bit on him at the end too so all of that being said Dan I'm going with Keeley as as my my winner winner football dinner you know, a lot of things uh in life Nick uh, you know there are a lot of times where you're uh, the better man but I don't need patience from you for a moment because I'm going to make sure that your your case is going to come undone here in a moment. We're going to feel the effects of, uh, you know, really, we're going to let me entertain you. Uh, all of those, by the way, uh, Robbie Williams songs for your benefit, Brandon, <laughs> <laughs> uh, with my case that Ted is, in fact, the winner of this episode with his actual harvesting of his crop when it came to Finally seeing seeds planted over the past couple episodes coming good, blooming in terms of the relationships that he was able to use. Not only does he make sure our boy Nate doesn't get to the actual gala and look like he's the guest of someone else, who's like the son of someone, one, one right there. He saves the day in terms of making sure that the busker gets situated as well. The gala would have not gone off at all. If that were to happen, comes to the defense of Rebecca, builds the relationship with Rebecca, sets up the pivotal change in dichotomy between Roy and Jamie. I mean, just in general, everything that he has been building towards, the dominoes are all starting to fall, and he collects them. He's collecting all those dominoes in this episode. So, I don't know. I I mean, Kill's a great choice, had a good episode, but I think it's a good episode for her, it's a great episode for Ted. So, here's your problem is that you preached XG growth last time when Nick was saying seeds and all that stuff. You didn't buy it. Now the rules are reversed. Nick has taken your argument and used it Uh, against you. Here's the thing, though. The goals in this episode for those individuals to convert on, those are massive. Massive goals. It might have been like four or five times. It was expected growth of like one and like, you you had to hit it. Like, you were wide open. There was nobody in the net to stop you. The actual XGA, really, really small conversion opportunity <laughs> chances right, that right, got executed right. flawlessly. 
Dan, I love that argument when I made it in the previous episode. That was this fun. is the irony. Um, you literally have switched sides on this. <laughs> like whoever is gotten Ted is like, yeah, he's the connector. He sprinkles seeds. And then the other person is like, no, look how much the other person grows. So I'm going to go Keely. Uh, that's who I was leaning towards as well. The, the, the other one that I had was actually Rebecca too. That was, that was the other contender because I think there was a immense amount of stuff that happened with her character in this, in this episode. But I think Keely did more at the end of the day. Yeah. Rebecca just hasn't had the, the triumph moment yet. She got kicked in. Like, I think you just kind of felt bad because she kept like taking hit after hit, but like if, they're going to bring her back. And I think when she does have that triumph moment, like she will be a very clear cut winner at that time. So uh, anyways, that's what we've got. Episode four is in the bag, but don't worry. Five is up and ready to rock. Uh, it is obviously another good one. Uh, more from us per usual. Let us know about the, the crown, uh, crown and anchor pub trivia. We'd love to make sure you're getting your points as usual, but uh, guys, episode four, the gala is over. Yeah, episode five gets heavy. This was fun compared to episode five, so a lot more uh, deeper emotional topics uh, on that one than this one. So uh, I don't know, Dan, thoughts and feelings? The, the, yeah, the XG next episode. Whew, can't wait. All right, that's it for this episode of The Underdogs. Please connect with us at Pod Underdogs on social media to continue the chat there. And if you'd be so kind as to take 15 seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review, that would mean the world to us. We'll see you on the next episode. <laughs>